You know what? Like I said, if Woman King 2 comes out, then this girl gonna be dead in the first five minutes. You gonna see her body floating on a banana leaf in the ocean. And now we crying, 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 and then taking up the sword and becoming the Woman King. So, that's how it feels. Hello and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year, and we're going to be breaking down the state of the 2023 Oscars race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and joining me again this week is my fellow Executive Editor at Entertainment Weekly, Clarissa Cruz. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jared? Wonderful. So nice to see you. Um, all right, folks, if you had a chance to hear last week's first episode of the new season, where we chatted through some of the movies that emerged from the fall festival circuit with Dave Carger, uh, our former EW writer who has rejoined the family as a new addition to the awardist team. Then uh, you heard some predictions. You heard, uh, you know, us, us all talk about um, movies from the earlier half of the year. What can still go the distance? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. It seems like is playing a really smart game right now, Clarissa. I got to say, I'm seeing them uh, holding steady at the top of lists. Yeah, absolutely. And it's even more impressive knowing how early yeah. it came out. I mean, it actually came out the same weekend as the Oscars last year. So wild to think back. That was that was late March. Uh, really impressive everything they've done with that film. Uh, they're playing a, a smart campaign. And um, of course, in addition to uh, Dave Carger uh, with his interviews and predictions and columns uh, paired with Joey Nolfi's predictions and analysis and reporting, uh, we certainly have you covered here at uh, The Awardist and at EW.com. So uh, in advance, we appreciate you checking out all of our coverage. Um, okay, so first thing I want to ask you about, Clarissa, since we recorded uh, that first episode, a very big development in the Oscars race. Jimmy Kimmel has been announced uh, as host of the Oscars, his third time doing the job. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Hot take. Well, my initial reaction was, wasn't this the guy who lay down during <laughs> during the Emmys yeah. telecast and had that... that during that, Quinta's that, speech, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So so I, I was like, oh, that's that's a little strange. But at the same time, he has done this yeah. uh, a few times. Um, he, he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the Oscars... The Academy just sort of want to skirt controversy wherever yeah. they can. Um, and finding someone who's an old pro doing it, I think, is one way to do that. Yeah, that is. he is absolutely a pro, no doubt about that. He understands live TV. He has a talk show. He gets comedy, obviously. Um, I, yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying, and, and I was one of them at the beginning, saying, like, yeah, it's a safe bet. And then I was like, but why do they have to be safe? Because the host didn't have anything to do with the Will Smith-Chris Rock thing. But at the same time, like, would a different host have jumped in and done something? Um, so I don't know. I mean, honestly, I loved what the three women did last I year. Loved it so much. They they worked with each other so well. Um, so I would have loved to have seen some kind of replication of that. Agree. I it, thought they were so funny, and and in the room, in the auditorium, like it worked. Right? Yeah, in the room, people were cracking up. The, yeah. um, I mean, Regina Hall when she did that—that that was so that, funny. <laughs> what was the, it, the COVID, COVID, bit, the COVID which at bit. first it started, and I was like, oh no, a COVID joke, but yeah. it was so good. It was so good. I think that that was that was the highlight of, uh, of yeah. the ceremony for me. Oh uh, well, it, it was great, <laughs> and we're still talking about it. Yeah. It was it was a memorable moment. Um, one more thing I want to uh, bring up uh, with Jimmy before we move on. Um, I heard a radio report the other day um, where the question they posed was, is this uh, in any way 
uh, could it bring damage to Jimmy's career to host the Oscars? And their theory was because ratings for the Oscars continue to decline. No one is watching. It's a thankless job, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was an odd angle to take. I don't see how it hurts Jimmy Kimmel. And of course, uh, well, and I will say this, one of their big things was that it's so easy to say the wrong thing and then you're like instantly canceled. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel's a guy who would be so callous to say something stupid in the moment. Right, right. Um, even though we saw him not get up off the floor <laughs> during Quentin Brunson's speech, but that was just a, a bit that went too far versus yeah. saying something that would be racist or insensitive. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think the one danger is the one that you mentioned, which is you say something terrible yeah. on live TV. But as you said, I mean, Jimmy is a pro. Um, I don't I don't think this hurts any anyone's career. I mean, I've seen in other award shows sometimes, like Ricky Gervais, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, what was that, the Globes? Yeah, the Globes um, a few times, uh, You yeah. know, it left a bad taste in some people's mouths, but... Um, but yeah, I'm not. I don't think that it can actually hurt unless you do something. Right, right. I mean, it, it's well. I don't know if it hurt, but it, you know, people didn't have um, a favorable opinion of Anne Hathaway and James Franco. I don't <laughs> think that was all necessarily their fault. They shouldn't have been there to begin with. Right, right. Um, yeah, that was that was a weird one. That was a weird one. <laughs> Dave Letterman. A lot of people didn't like him, but in hindsight, it feels like all anyone talks about is yeah, the stupid Oprah Uma joke. But otherwise, I recall him doing a good job. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, it seems to always raise someone's profile. Yeah, exactly. And Seth so MacFarlane, yeah, um, and... his year, oh, yeah. there was that the opening ads, number right, with yeah. the where he talked about uh, women showing their breasts or something. Yeah, that one was that painful. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> that was a little painful. He's a great song and dance guy, mm -hmm. and so I understand the entertainment factor they brought in with him there. But yeah, um, yeah, Amy Schumer, uh, I, I thought also did great last year, mm -hmm. um, and she's still kind of hot right now. Her show's back. Mm -hmm. uh, she's hosted SNL. Um, I yeah. think Amy and Tina are my favorite. Oh, and that a a that Amy, Amy, uh, Amy Poehler uh -huh. and Tina Fey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, since, well, the Globes are coming back uh, and they kind of rotated for a few years with Ricky Gervais, I would love to see them host the Oscars. Same. It would be yeah, really would be, incredible. Would be really fun. I think they're regarded now as pretty much TV hosts, but I mean, Jimmy Kimmel's a TV host. Yeah. So, no, I don't, or TV I, actors, I mean, yeah. versus movie, but. I don't think it matters anymore. It doesn't. No. Okay. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, today's episode uh, is our first, including an interview. And uh, the the folks who are at the heart of this movie, uh, well, they put their heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears into the movie that they made. Uh, I'm talking about Viola Davis, Tuso Mbedu, Lashana Lynch, John Boyega, uh, director Gina Prince-Bythewood uh, for the movie The Woman King. This one has been out for a little bit, uh, but... Pretty much immediately, there was uh, there was some talk about some potential for this movie. Let me run through uh, some numbers here. Still, uh, as of this recording, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 94% fresh from critics, 99% from audiences. It opened to $19 million and number one at the box office that weekend. Uh, cumulatively, uh, domestically, it's made $66 million worldwide. It's uh, kind of approaching $100 million. To what do you equate that movie's success? Well, first of all, it was a surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't projected to be that much of a box, box office success. Um, it, but you know, I saw this at Toronto in a big in a big theater at the big premiere, mm -hmm. and and I then think, it opened that weekend. And then it, yeah, mm -hmm. and I think what was felt in that theater was felt in 
in the theaters of people who saw it, which was it's a very rousing, mm-hmm. you know, actiony, yeah, really cool movie. Mm-hmm. And hard to watch at times. Hard to watch at times, but um, there was just there's just such a spirit to it mm-hmm. that I think people identified with, and you know, I I I think that's what people are responding to. I mean, it's a crowd pleaser too, even yeah. though it's hard to watch. It's a crowd pleaser, and yeah. um, and I and I contributed a lot of it to Viola mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. she's fantastic, the yeah. center of it. Well, I mean, speaking of you know, talking about people who are TV stars versus movie stars. Uh, I mean, yes, she has of course been in some movies and she has some uh, you know Oscar nominations and wins, but not a movie like this. She hasn't done. Um, And I think that says a lot to her star power, how much people love Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's fantastic. And, you know, the what she's playing in this movie is just a very strong, powerful female um, leader Mm -hmm. and her just her gaze, Mm -hmm. her look. I mean, (laughs) she she just she just, you know, takes all the energy in the room yeah. and um, and is so quietly powerful. And I don't think you can discount that. In a movie like no, this. she is someone who no matter if you're watching her on TV or in a movie or you're in the same room as her, uh, everything just gravitates toward her in a way that like if you're in a room with her, it's like, oh, my God, Viola Davis is right over there. She's right, <laughs> over, right there, right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's just captivating in so many ways. Um, do you think there is anything to be said for movies like the first Black Panther, where we saw a lot of really strong women emerge from that film um, and, you know, kind of made shining stars of them, that there was any kind of um, desire, hope to replicate some kind of like, oh, people loved all of those women at the center of that movie. Well, here's this other story. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can do it here, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Um, and it's it's interesting because um, we did an, uh, we did an interview with, with the cast. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it... Um, which you'll hear shortly. Which you'll hear shortly. <laughs> at the end of it, um, Viola was asked, what, you know, whether she'll be ready to do all of that intense training again if there was a woman king, too. Mm. And she said, well... I'll probably, you know, die after the first five minutes and be floating like <laughs> on a banana leaf, um, you know, and, and yeah. then let the other women yeah. take over, which is interesting considering um, some similarities to, yeah. to another movie. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I think that whole idea of powerful women and, yeah. um, and you know, just being warriors is, mm-hmm. is something that, you know, I don't think, think it needs to be limited to one movie or two movies or, you know, five movies. Yep. Say that again louder <laughs> for everyone in the back of the room, for sure. Yeah, well, this character she plays, uh, this general, um, where, where do you feel like she, if we're talking about, you know, a, across uh, the history of cinema, well, maybe not the entire history, but you know what I mean, uh, ranks among those kind of, you know, go-to-battle movies like Braveheart and Glory, 300, Gladiator. There's so many greats. Yeah, I mean, I think it ranks way up there. Mm. Um, because in this movie, she's not just a warrior. It delves into the trauma that made her yeah. what she is. Mm-hmm. And I think that lends a layer of power mm-hmm. um, that isn't always seen in movies like this. Mm. Um, and, you know, even without that backstory, she did a ton of training for this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, I, I interviewed the um, the trainer, you know, mm-hmm. who, who trained her, but also has trained like the Avengers 
Uh, oh, well. the, uh, the yeah. men of Creed, mm-hmm. and basically was saying they were all man babies <laughs> compared to <laughs> compared to the cast of the Woman King. I mean, because they did not ask for time yeah. off, they did not complain if they were sore, they didn't ask mm-hmm. for you know, okay, let's take it easy today. They just wanted to go 100. Mm-hmm. percent Women are time. made differently. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fact. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Women yeah. can handle more pain. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, well, you brought up the training. Uh, it's really worth uh, noting here that. Uh, everything is practical. Uh, from what I understand, the women did all of their own stunts. Uh, that was kind of at the insistence of their director, yes. Gina. Mm-hmm. Uh, they filmed in South Africa. They went through just like someone who uh, is on Yellowstone or 1883 goes to Taylor Sheridan's cowboy camp. Or, uh, you know, if you're in a basketball movie, you're going to go train. These women went through training to yes. use various types of weapons, spears, uh, swords, all of that. Um, so, so given all of that, we know this the story uh, about this um, tribe who essentially rises against uh, colonizers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the, the short of it. Um, but given the story, given the performances, given all of that stuff, what do you think their big play is here for big, bigger recognition in this awards race? Um, well, I think... For sure, Viola. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, our, our prognosticators um, mm-hmm. <laughs> have have their thoughts on where she would fall in the bracket or if she would even make the bracket. Um, but I think that's probably one of their strongest um, cases for 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 getting a nomination. Um, I think certainly on the crafts end, the production design is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they really recreate this world. Um, so I think that might be another another place. Um, you know, best picture. Mm. Oh, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's going to, you know, it it hasn't been uh, talked about as much as when it first came out. But yeah. you never you never know how the race is going to shake out. No. Well, and with those numbers, like I was mentioning, 94 percent from critics is a is a big deal. Audiences mm-hmm. also love it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they play their campaign right. Yeah. Um, you and know, we'll it, have digital release and all of that stuff coming up soon. And, you know, screeners will get sent out. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a little, by the way, uh, controversy um, involving the real life tribes do you think that hurts them in any way well i mean it didn't seem to hurt the box office when (laughs) when the movie came out um i mean the controversy was basically that it was um you know making heroes out of um out of this tribe that also enslaved other yeah um other africans and but the thing is it's addressed in the movie you know, so, like it, yeah. it, it's it's it, and it's and it's there. Um, it's also not a documentary. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think, um, you know, it's based on on people that really existed, but it's not meant to be a point by point thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it might gain some steam if it um, if it becomes a player in the race. Um, but uh, I'm not you know, I'm not sure people really did like this movie. Yeah. I mean, look, if a movie like. Green Book can go all the way uh, and and kind of overcome the uh, the white savior. Uh, I don't want to call it controversy, but the mm. talk like, you yeah. know, uh, th- that involved that film. Then something like this, uh, you know, you hope that you can see it um, get get the recognition it deserves. Lastly, this is um, such an I don't want to say odd tidbit, uh, an unexpected, surprising tidbit when I was reading up on the film. Dana Stevens wrote the screenplay, but Mm -hmm. Dana and actress Maria Bello share story credit. Maria Bello is also a producer. At first I was like, say what? Is there another Maria Bello? But no, it (laughs) is the the same same, one. The same, fame, Maria Bello. (laughs) Yeah, okay, what's that all about? She brought the idea... 
to, to Viola. To Viola. Uh, I think she was presenting her with an award. And then, um, you know, uh, you know, as a throwaway at the end, someone said, oh, well, so Vi- Viola should star in the movie version of this. Um, and here we are six, about, seven years later. Yeah, whatever talk about it's, manifesting. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to do. You got to put that stuff out into the universe and it uh, and it happens. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's maybe all we should say. I think we should let uh, the, the cast and the director um, share their experience, share their stories. So uh, don't go anywhere. Coming up on the awardist, uh, folks including Viola Davis, Tuso Mbedu, uh, and the cast and creative team behind The Woman King. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. All right, let's get to the main event, shall we? Our interviews with the cast and director of The Woman King. And these interviews were, by the way, conducted over the course of two separate events, first at the Toronto Film Festival and then at a uh, at a separate press day. So up first, we have Viola Davis talking about the intense physical training she went through to play Naniska and how it gave her some extra swagger off screen as well. Some of the workouts we did together at the gym. So sometimes we did weight training together. And a lot of times, especially towards the end, we did martial arts training together. And then we worked out after martial arts training in the gym together. I remember the first time we did that, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I at 50 something, you need to sit your down. But that was a, a huge experience because it was hard. Yeah. And what made it easier is that we were all in it together and it was hard for all of us. So yeah. you didn't have to be in your yeah. own space imagining, oh, it's just me. <clears throat> I'm the one is hard for me, but everyone yeah. else has it easier. Blah, 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 blah. We were just we were in that. We were in this together. And it was Gina, too. She yeah, joined yeah, us. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I still work out with Gabrielle McLean, who was our trainer. She did all about weightlifting, and it's <laughs> the last. The last training session was me, Gina, and Tuso, and Julius. Tuso and Gina came to our house, and I mean, we did the weightlifting and blasted the music right on um, our driveway, and uh, with Tuso saying, "Gabby, Gabby, this is too heavy. What are you thinking?" <laughs> it was. Well, you, know, you know what? Like I said, if Woman King Two comes out. Naniska gonna be dead in the first five minutes. You gonna see her body floating on a banana leaf in the ocean. And now we crying, 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 and then taking up the sword and becoming the woman king. So, that's how it feels. But you know, it's it's there is something to be said about breaking that barrier of what you feel like you can't do. That then gives you a swagger. You know, you begin to sort of feel yourself. You know, and you begin to really appreciate when your body is working for you as a woman, you know, the strength of it, you know. There are times when I'm now walking in the grocery store. <laughs> I want to hear this. I walk, I walk, I walk in the parking lot of Vons and I walk in the grocery store like, yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. It gives you, yeah, a huge swagger. Well, despite all that, Davis recalls how one unnamed celebrity once told her she had no swagger and why Davis took that as a compliment. You know what's so interesting? I'll say this really fast. I had one person, celebrity, 
who said this to me once. And it's so interesting that you said that. He said that when I walk into the room, I don't own it. That I don't walk in with any swagger and any kind of authority. And I thought actually that was a compliment. Yeah. Because I don't know what that means. You know, um, I don't think it services an artist to see the other actors in a, um, in, in, in a piece as anything other than a peer. And that's how I see it. I don't care if they just started acting. I don't care if they're five years old. I see them as a peer. I learn just as much from them as they could learn from me, or even if they don't learn anything from me. It is a partnership through and through. It's only the sort of celebrity social media aspect that says, oh, yeah, what did you learn from Viola Davis? Viola Davis is the same as Lashana Lynch. Um, Tuso Bedu, Sheila A. Tim, John Boyega, um, Jamie Lawson, Adrian Warren, any, any of them. We're all actors. Lashana Lynch, who plays Azogi, explains how the physical training allowed her to truly inhabit her warrior character. Meanwhile, John Boyega, who plays King Gezo, had nothing but respect for his female co-star's transformations. There's nothing that will prepare you for this level of training. And when you have a director who's like, so you're going to do your own stunts? Anyway, so it's Monday today. <laughs> like, how dare you pass the opportunity to just rise to the challenge, you know? And I think it was incredible to be able to just dive in and, and treat your body to a true experience. Dive into the character physically first before I've even learned who she is. Um, and that informed who she was um, from the beginning for me. As a man, I think that sometimes you take the back seat and let the women handle it. And they handled it so well. But for me, I was inspired either way because as a young actor, looking at them transforming themselves um, um, into these characters, it gives you a vibe that this is going to be a great film. Director Gina Prince-Bythewood says that the training wasn't just about on-screen authenticity. She wanted to make a larger statement about femininity. I hope for me and, and the body of work, it's ultimately about reframing what it means to be female, what it means to be feminine. Um, I hate the narrative that women aren't strong, that there's something wrong if you have muscles or are athletic. And for here on this one, I just wanted to celebrate that the athleticism, the skill, the strength, the swagger, I really put that up on screen for people to be inspired by. For Tuso Mbedu, a relative newcomer to U.S. audiences who plays young warrior in training Nawi, the lessons she learned from her co-stars, she says, were invaluable. The takeaway was just from, you know, seeing everybody be the best versions of themselves. You know, it was, it was never a time where it's like, okay, in this moment you must learn A and B from me. It's, this is who I am. I'm a good, generous person. I want what's best for you. I'm fighting for you with everything that I am. And to actually see that happen in real time is something that I will take with me wherever I go. And Lashana Lynch talks about whether she was intimidated by working with Oscar winner Viola Davis, who she has long admired. You have a lightness of touch as a human being and how you approach your craft, yeah. which means that it's not like you have to stand up straight when she walks in the room. It's that you have to just roll with the vibration that she brings. Do you know what I mean? It's so high. And I know you hate this. But it's so high just as a, as a spirit, as a soul. Um, and that makes you feel so comfortable with an actor coming in, yeah. working with someone that you've been inspired by for so long. You don't want to feel intimidated or feel like you can't say anything. And it really, it very much felt like an ensemble yeah. a lot of the time. You felt like you were coming in as a collective to work for the same goal um, and, and aim for the same level of greatness. And 
You did that for us. Yes, you Thank do. You. <laughs> now, during the course of the movie, you learn that Naniska's strength in a lot of ways is born out of trauma. Here, Davis explains how Naniska's backstory was crucial in lending authenticity to her journey. The characters have their own personal narratives, and and the thing about it is we wanted it to be authentic. And whenever it is authentic, I'm sorry, it's going to cost you something. You're channeling another human being, and most of these human beings are in trauma. We, I mean, look at the scars on all of us, on all of the characters, on our face, on our backs. Mm -hmm. You can imagine where those came from. And, you know, uh, Naniska is a sexual assault um, survivor. You know, Nawi essentially was abandoned. Um, to tap into the spirit of all these human beings, absolutely. Um, you had to do a lot of hardcore work. And finally, Davis speaks about the importance of representation in The Woman King, not just black representation, but dark skinned black women specifically, and why box office success for The Woman King is so meaningful. I feel like, you know, so much of what you have to fight for as a dark skinned woman, just living in the world where people just say you're not attractive, you're not valued, you're not any of those things. And then you get to a point where all those obstacles actually become your fuel mm. and lead to this moment. You know, um, we're bad. At and I am a warrior. And I am, you know, don't need to have a sword to be a warrior. I have the warrior spirit in me. You know, I always say, you know, you got to dare to fail. Just dare, just throw. Because here's the thing. I think reaching for a 10 and hitting a five is better than reaching for a two and hitting a one. <laughs> That's what I say. Okay. And I also want to take this, that we can lead a box. We can lead the box office. Yeah. That black women can be at the center of a narrative and we can lead a global box office and make movies that are meaningful to everybody. All right. Well, there you have it. I have one major takeaway from this entire thing that I would pay good money to find out which celebrity told Viola Davis she has no swagger. How dare someone? Seriously. <laughs> what a fool. Who? I, I don't know. Like Viola Davis even just it, on how to get away with murder when her character was like sad, depressed, scared. She would just be sitting in a bed and she still had swagger sitting there. I know. Uh, yeah. Like, as she says, she has swagger in the Vons parking lot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which I would also pay to see her walking through uh, with some swagger. Um, I, I do love that when she, um, I've seen her at uh, like some screenings and I, I think she's not a fan of wearing heels. She has the best um, uh, like blinged out tennis shoes. She has uh, some that are covered in sequins. She, I don't know if they're personal collection or if it's like for events and she's getting them from stylists, yeah, yeah. but you can tell she like loves these cool shoes. Um, she I might be a, what is, what is it? A sneakerhead? Maybe. Um, but, uh, I would love to know that, but, um, she definitely has swagger in those like sequins, uh, <laughs> vans that I saw her in once. Um, well, listen, uh, the, the Woman King is in theaters. It's going to be available uh, digital to rent or buy very soon. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, be on the lookout for more from us right here at The Awardist. That is our episode for today. Clarissa, as always, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And if all of you liked what you heard, 
Be sure to follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you back here next week. This episode of the Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.